This is E4H Speaks, our in-house podcast featuring E4H team members who keep our firm elevated through talent, commitment, and passion for healthcare design. I'm Chris Nail, and I'll be your host. Today I'm talking to architect Thomas Morris. He is one of our partners based in our Vermont office. Tell me about how you got into healthcare architecture. Well, I was doing general practice, actually met Jennifer Arbuckle, and we were working together at a small firm in Vermont, and she actually interviewed at Moore Switzer, and she recruited me to come over there as well. So I actually met with Dan Morris and uh, went to work there. I found, after that, I found the healthcare industry so engaging and so fast-paced and so um, creative that when you're young and you've got a lot of ambition, you feel like there's so many opportunities. So I, I thrive. Quite an interesting set of instances with this COVID-19 issue. And I know you've been on the front lines of a lot of those projects. And you know, I wanted to take some time to discuss your involvement and how E4H has provided services to our clients. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think COVID is a very unique situation. I had a client out of New York. We had done the Children's Hospital 10, 15 years ago, and it was a, a separate building. We left one of the floors shelled, and we're currently designing and building eight pediatric ORs. But the building next to that, which is an older building, which we did not do, but we connected the two together, uh, is where the PACU was going to be to support the ORs. And they had just recently gutted that PACU. So obviously, with the OR suite being a shell space to a brand new building, they immediately went in there and started working. There was nothing there. We had set it all up. It was had all the features for HVAC and med gas. So that was pretty straightforward. But once they gutted the PACU, they had this 10,000 square feet of empty space. And the COVID-19 thing came. And they immediately said, we've got to convert this space to a surge unit, basically an ICU for our COVID-19 patients and get them, you know, quarantined and, and out of the rest of the hospital. So they contacted me and E4H and basically said, we need to throw a plan together immediately and we're going to start building tomorrow. So they called me on a Friday and I literally think that Monday they were building things. So they had about, they said they had a two week window to get it designed and built, but it took them three, took us three weeks but literally from the night that they called and said, let's do this, three weeks later, they had 50 patients in a 65-bed surge ICU with full med gas, HVACs. It's a big open bay. There's just cubicle curtains between the beds. But they're seeing patients. It's all completely confined and moving along. So their long-term plan, and I think it's a great one, is that they have 23 campuses in their system and right now, their plan is to try to eventually get all the other campuses to send their COVID-19 patients to this facility as the counts start to go down so that those other facilities can be completely free and clear of any COVID-19 patients and open them up for all the processes and all the procedures that make them money that I think more, more people are reluctant to do because they think the hospitals are still off limits. And I think it's a good good strategy for the hospital. Yeah, for sure. And then if you're regionally based and you've got that capacity, your other competitors around the area might need those resources. So you're really opening it up for lots of opportunity. Yeah. What about the nuts and bolts of the drawing process and dealing with the GCs and the 
the subcontractors and pricing and all that stuff, how did that all kind of play itself out? Well, they, they had a CM already on board. You know, this is a classic story of architecture, how the CM is always on site. They're always there during construction. They have the, the owner's ear all the time. But the, the CM was already on site constructing these spaces. So obviously they, they approached them and said, you know, we got 10,000 square feet. We got to fit it out. This is what we need. You know, basically back at the back of an envelope kind of rough order magnitude cost estimate. And I think they told them they could do it for $2.8 million. So they basically took the sketch that we generated over the weekend and started laying out the floor plan on the floor and started building from there. But some of the infrastructure, I think some of the base HVAC was still in the ceiling because they hadn't fully demoed it. There was some med gas already in the area, but we had to add some. So there was some limited infrastructure that they could build from, but it was really basically just having the CM very knowledgeable about what was going on because they were already on site doing work. And I guess we didn't worry about any jurisdictions and permitting or anything like that for this? Well, that's a very interesting topic because we always worry about that, you know, and I think as we, as we practice healthcare architecture, it's always in our, in our mind. And so as we moved along through those items, I felt like it was my job to tell them that, you know, we're not fully compliant with the, the guidelines or the code or the requirements. All in all, I think they generally followed the guidelines, but there were a few areas where they didn't, you know, the bed, the beds are very close to each other. The main corridors are not always eight feet. We had a lot of existing utility racks that ran from risers that ran from floor to floor that they could not move yet because the hospital was just way too vulnerable now to do any kind of shutdown. So everything had to be done live. And there were some some concessions made, but they were made clear and the owner made those decisions. You know, like you said, the bed's too close together. And I know that a lot of states are real sticklers for our clearances around our beds. But I know that the state of Texas issued a memoranda that said that they were going to ease off of that during this deal. Do you foresee codes being affected by this COVID-19 that we've gone through long-term? Yeah, I I definitely do. You know, the little bit of the the COVID-19 task team that I participated in, one of the big items that kept coming up were the exterior windows. And I remember just early on in my healthcare architecture profession, I remember reading about windows with screens. And as the years went by, that just went by the wayside. And now I don't know that there's much about operable windows in the the guidelines, but I have a feeling that's going to slowly come back to where you know, if we'd had more operable windows, I think we we would have had more options to do things in terms of ventilation to make some of these spaces more adaptable quicker. You know, one of the things I said in, in those meetings were that if you have a giant curtain wall in your patient room, you're not going to change that very quickly in a in an emergency situation like this. But if you had some you know, operable windows that you could open up, take out, move around, a lot more flexibility in terms of temporary uh negative pressure or or exhaust or supply air or whatever you need. I think the other thing that was kind of pointed out here is that in these kind of COVID-19 situations, if the corridor isn't eight feet or the beds aren't, you know, four feet apart and you don't have five feet at, you know, the, the foot of the bed or whatever the case may be, you know, the nurses understand that. But when they tie into an oxygen regulator, there better be oxygen. You know, there there are certain things that they can live with. They can maneuver through a six foot corridor, but when you put a, a an oxygen outlet on the head wall, it better have the the right capacity. Or you know, 
lives are in danger. What are some projects that you've worked on in the past that you're you're really proud of or that you know stand out as something exciting that you've done? We did the small medical office building for a, an orthopedic surgeon at a local hospital here in Vermont. And he he had just bought the practice or just bought into the practice. And he's very uh, sophisticated, very into design. He had a very expensive taste. And he wanted a very nice medical office building that demonstrated his level of practice. They hired us to put this together. And it was kind of like a giant farmhouse. He really liked the Vermont vernacular design. He wanted the front porch look. He wanted sloped roofs. We had a lot of interior windows that pass light through the space. It was just very, almost like large residential, almost kind of like hospitality design. And this was before hospitality was kind of a, a term that we used in healthcare. This was, you know, 12, 13 years ago. But he had very expensive taste in the interior finishes. The millwork was extensive. And it was just an exciting project. And I remember at the end of the job when he was trying to find coat hooks for the front lobby, he just kept rejecting everything because he was so detail-orientated. And I ended up telling him that I thought I could build them for him, and and I did. So um, uh, I ended up building coat racks for the the lobby space because it was the only way to to please him. So that was a very cool project. That's a uh, Frank uh, Lloyd Wright move right there. I'll just build you cutbacks. <laughs> <laughs> but I think also the the Cohen Children's Hospital that we did in, in New York is probably the best project that I've worked on. It was a large pediatric hospital, brand new. It was connected back to uh, another campus building, but it had an ED on the ground floor. It had a 24-bed ICU and a 24-bed med surge. Uh, with some provisions for future expansion. It was a very modern building. Bill Repachowski had done the exterior design, and it was just it was just very cool. And the CM and the owner were very uh, very talented and good. So it was a it was a great project all the way around. That was fun. Thanks for sharing your favorite projects, Thomas. Since it's our passion for architecture that helps inspire all of us, and thank you for your work during this pandemic helping provide design solutions to ensure the safety and well-being of others. This is Chris Nail bringing you E4H Speaks with Thomas Morris. Until next time, 